Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. You do more in one minute in your anointing than we could do with four years of a theological degree. Because in you, Jesus, is all the perfect theology we need. And this morning, we are satisfied. That you said, it's better for us that you went away, that you were glorified. Because when you were glorified, you would send the Holy Spirit. And you entrust mortal man, man who had fallen, man who had stumbled and was incapable of being qualified. You said you would send the very Spirit of God to indwell. And I want to say to you here this morning, as you've been drinking, and you overflow with that life. Remember that the Holy Spirit is in you for your sake. Because we need peace. We need joy. We need love. But the Holy Spirit's upon us. Because we need to minister to a dying and hurting world in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's in us for us. He's on us for others. And now is the time where we're just soaking and drinking and being refreshed. But Lord, as we go to your word today, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear. You'd give us a heart to receive. As we see you, Jesus, operating in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Give us a longing. To walk like you walked in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't let us be satisfied or compare ourselves to anything less than the relationship that you had with the Holy Spirit. We don't just want to stand here and admire Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit, we don't want to just admire from a distance. But Lord, give us hearts today that say yes on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Can you receive that? Can you say amen? Take your seats. Thanks to the musicians. Hope to leave a bit of space at the end for a a drink before we leave today. Who would like a drink before they left today? I'm not talking about the best coffee in Durban. I'm talking about the river of life. Amen? There's a river of life flowing out from me. (laughs) Dave got excited there for a moment. Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone. We are in a month of just wanting to grow and inculcate our understanding and experience of Holy Spirit. As Bill shared earlier, we're going to 
move from the theory like we covered last week, which was the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got to start with an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. That is God's Spirit, God's very own Spirit that He gives to us. And that He's a person who talks, who guides, who leads, who has a mind, a will, emotions as a person, but is deity, is God Himself. And the prophet stood up and he promised that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Come on, are you glad you live in those days? The days after Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes to empower us, to fill us with his love and his presence. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that it won't just be academic understanding. But it will be something imparted through your word. Amen. Amen. That was just a sweet time of worship, man. Woo! The life group is going to come up and uh, as they get ready to, to take up the offering. We do this every Sunday. I know people don't walk around with cash in, the, in their pockets anymore like they did 20 years ago. But it's always a good thing to remember that when we take up the offering and we put our hand into our pocket and put into a ministry... We are giving our time and our energy and our gifting towards the propagation of the gospel. Amen? And all we do here is we just remind ourselves that we are alive in this generation for this generation. Others gave in previous generations for the work of ministry. Because although the gospel is free, the pipes that get it to where it needs to go cost money to, to build. Can you say amen? Or ouch, or whatever you want to say. The gospel is free, but the getting it and the propagating and the ministry itself, in each generation has those who go before God and say, to what amount do you want me to trust you for, Lord, so that this work can continue well into the future, for the next generation and beyond. Amen? And that's why we take up an offering on a Sunday morning. Thank you as you do that. Right, I want to speak, this, oh, just before I do that, I was talking about Monday night discipleship training. Uh, all are welcome to that, but that information is then taken back to the life groups uh, during the week whenever they meet. And we also have a life group that meets here now on a Sunday morning for those who have transport difficulties or can't get away uh, during the week. If you can't get here on a Monday night and you can't get to a life group during the week, um, like these folk who were taking up the offering this morning, they are one of the life groups in the church. Then we have a life group on a Sunday morning that meets in that mother's room. There where King Zama is standing. Zama is the, the, the chief over security here. Just behind him there. Azama, these people love you, yeah, man. You're doing a good job, brother. Just behind him there, yeah, amen. They will meet after the service, grab a cup of coffee, and um, either Pascal or Fison Blue or Beauty will be there to welcome you and share with you. I think that's about it. Also, to say that we're going to have a, a new members uh, invitation 
a meal. Janet and I would like to just meet with some people who want to make Howard their home, but they want to find out more about what we are uh, up to here, what the vision is, what our purpose is, who we are. So on the 6th of May, after the morning service, if you'd like to find out more, um, there is a clipboard that's going to be coming around. You can just write your name down on it during the service, and then it's in on the 6th of May. So I think I've covered it all, Bill. So, good. Awesome. We're speaking this morning about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Isn't that a great topic? I mean, the first month of the year we did uh, the Father Heart. The next month we moved on to the person of Jesus and the good news. And then now we're in the month of speaking about the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that a, a great way to start the year? And this morning I want to combine these two topics. The Father uh, sends the Son. The Son says, I will send the, the gift of the Father. The prophet Joel in the Old Testament says, A day is coming where I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. All flesh. It's going to receive my Spirit. Come on, that's... Those are the days, and then John the Baptist comes along, and he says, the one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes, take off his sandals. I'm not worthy. He should baptize me. But Jesus went down into the water. When he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and John says, I saw the Holy Spirit come upon him. Jesus was filled. You see, Jesus lived from birth, He was born of the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit got into the womb of Mary and put on flesh. And we beheld Jesus. We saw God as a man. He goes led by the Spirit into the wilderness to face temptation, not as an angel or as a superior being or as God, but he goes in and faces temptation as a man like you and I do. Just in the humanity. Couldn't call down legions of angels. Because then it wouldn't have been any good for us to know that we have the same spirit that was living in Jesus, now living inside of us. And Jesus, his whole life was full, had the spirit living in him. We only get the spirit when we're born again. Before that, you're spiritually dead. And when you're Born again, that's what it means to be born again. Jesus says the wind blows where it likes, but you can't see it. But anyone who's born of God, you're either born of flesh or born of the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, he said to Nicodemus, it, uh, uh, that's why you have to be born again. Your spirit is dead and you need the life of God in you. But even though Jesus had the Spirit living inside him, there was a day when the Spirit came upon him. And he was empowered. That's the difference between us and Jesus. Jesus had the spirit in him his whole life. We have the spirit in us when we are born again. But in the same way that Jesus also received a baptism, there was an overflow, a pouring out on him. There was power that came upon his life. We looked last week with this illustration, and it's a great way to have a few sips of water while I'm speaking. And we had a glass filled, and then we had that same filled glass in, floating in the jug. It was, it's baptized. It's, 
One thing to be filled, another thing to be baptized. One baptism, many fillings. But what I want to show you this morning is that we're all filled. When we are born again, we are filled. And we need to be filled. Because we need the peace and the joy and the love of the Holy Spirit in us. We need the relationship with God that the Holy Spirit leads us into. Jesus says, I will send you another comforter. He uses the word halos in the Greek, not the word heteros. The word heteros means the same but different. It's like a Volkswagen and a Datsun. They're both cars, but they're two different kinds of cars. That's the word heteros. But the word halos is the word different but the same. You had a Datsun, and the old Datsun's gone, but you got a new identical Datsun. Jesus said, when I send the Holy Spirit, I'm sending exactly the same representation as, as myself. And the Holy Spirit fills us, and we need to be filled, and we are filled. You can't get any more full than you were when you were born again. Did you get that? I know some people think we leak. Well, I don't find a scripture for that. I'll tell you what I think happens is the fuel gauge is always on full in your new vehicle. But I think the temperature gauge can fluctuate between hot and cold. But we don't like have a little less, you know, we leak and then we need some more, you know, so we come to church, we get, then we leak during the week. That's the temperature gauge. Showing you your relationship with the Holy Spirit. But you can never be fuller than full. And when you are born again, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Some of you looking at me like, are you sure, Steve? Well, I don't know what I'm sure about, but this is the best I understand right now. Is that you are full. Say, I'm full. But there's something about a baptism, you see. When you fill, you fill for you. But when you are baptized... You're baptized for others. You flow over into your workplace. You flow over into the office. You flow over into your family. That's why we need to be, as the Bible says, be filled. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. Not that you're not full. Not that you're a half-empty glass. You're a full glass. But you need to keep being filled. Because as you keep being filled, you're flowing over. You're spilling over to the people around you. It's great to be full, but that's for you. That doesn't make any difference in anybody else's life. Well, it does if you're a kind, loving person. But the real power comes when you are filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. you get that? Can I have a sip? Simple illustration, but I hope it sticks in our minds. Because Jesus was filled his whole life, but something happened when he was baptized. His whole ministry, in fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm supposed to have some, some notes. Ash, do I have those notes today? I've I, I got some scriptures. I know I'm going to have some scriptures for you. We love the Bible in this church. Amen? So Jesus comes, full of the Holy Spirit, Led through the wilderness, John saw heaven open up, torn open, violently torn. Heaven's never going to be closed again. Heaven is open. Jesus made sure of that. It doesn't open and close. That same word, it's violently ripped apart. It's the same as what happened to the veil in the temple. 
after Jesus said, into your hands I commit my spirit. The, the veil was violently torn apart. It's a strong word that. Ripped. It's the same word that the, the heavens were ripped. It was like the heavens are open now. The Holy Spirit came and filled Jesus. And Jesus comes to his, his first sermon. And uh, who would like to know what Jesus' first sermon was when he came into the wilderness, into, out of the wilderness? It says that he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Didn't come there with a pre-prepared sermon. He got there and he was given the scroll and it was opened at this place. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Say he's anointed me. To preach the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God's in a good mood. And it's a year of God's favor. God created this earth in seven days, but now there's a year compressed of favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a powerful message. Jesus had had the Holy Spirit in him all his life, but there was an anointing. There was a baptism that came upon him. And from that time, his ministry completely changed. His life completely changed. Never before that do we see him walking in miracles and signs and wonders. Just being filled with the Spirit is a lifestyle for that we live. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a running over and we set Jesus as our example. He's the standard that you compare yourself against. We don't just admire him from a distance. We say, Jesus, you are the standard. You said that you would send exactly the same as yourself to live inside of me. And from that moment, Jesus Our life should never be satisfied until they're at the standard that we see in you. And I don't know how you feel today, but that makes me intimidated. Because the elephant in the room is that we don't always see the same ministry as Jesus promised. It comes in stops and starts. We read through revivals when the power healing of God broke out. And I don't know if it's just hunger or just... Uh, apathy on the other side or what the reasons are but we can't drop the standard from Jesus it's like if you got your left hand in boiling water can you feel it and you got your right hand in iced water can you feel it and then you put both those hands into lukewarm water how does your right hand feel okay let's start again (laughs) You put both hands into the lukewarm water. The hand that was in ice feels hot and the hand that was in boiling water feels cold. You see, things are relative. 
And if we just compare ourselves to nominal, ordinary Christianity, we might feel very puffed up and hot. But if we compare ourselves to what we should compare ourselves with, it's Jesus. He's the standard. It changes our apathy to a deep hunger. Not to get more of the Spirit, because we filled. But I believe there's a baptism in the Spirit that Joel promised in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit, that we haven't fully experienced. And I want to get hungrier than I am right now. I want to get thirstier than I am right now. A good friend of mine died this year. That should not have happened. I know we can at the end say, oh, it's all God's will. And, and yes, it is. And we don't understand. And I don't try and get my head around those eternal things. But I do know this, that he gave us authority. And he said, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we shouldn't be satisfied with anything less than the standard that Jesus sets. So he spends his time with his disciples, teaching them, training them, equipping them, showing them on-the-job training. And eventually he gets to the point where the Mount of Transfiguration comes down and a man says, I went to your disciples, but they couldn't set my son free. You know the story? You're tracking with me? Jesus comes down. He sees them struggling. I mean, these poor disciples are trying their best. They were doing everything. They were singing in tongues and pouring oil and dancing and blowing shofars and shaking their uh, tambourines. No, not really. Those are crazy-matics. I mean charismatics. But in other words, they had learnt it all, but they weren't seeing it. I know how that feels. And they said, and the Bible says they took Jesus aside and said, Master, why couldn't we do it? And with one word, you did it. Ashley, this is not working, brother. Can you track with me through the sermon? I'm going to leave that now. So, talking about Jesus trained his disciples to advance the kingdom. They didn't see it. And then the Bible says they took him aside. They took him aside and they said, Lord, what's going on here? And he, and he answers them. And it's quite interesting that he says this kind needs prayer and fasting. Now, I I don't propose we make a a formula out of that. But what I do hear Jesus saying is, in the busyness of your life, if you took time to hear my voice, you would know how to go about every different thing and not have a formula that one size fits all. And in the, the cultural, contextual situation of the people he's talking to, their whole lives revolved around preparing meals. They had to first kill the sucker. Then they had to get the wood. And then they had to make a fire. And then they had to cook it. Then they had to, and then they had refrigerators. So every day was a new day. So a big part of their life was hand to mouth. It was preparing. And he says, if you take a day off that stuff. See, we live in a different culture today. We've got supermarkets with shake and bake. You buy a packet, you shake, microwave three minutes, and you're done. Yeah, I fasted. No, well, not really. What is the thing that occupies so much of your time? Something nice. I mean, God gave cooking and eating and food because he really loved us. And I think it was a great idea. Amen. I know you wouldn't say so about how tight the shirt is, but we love our food. 
But that doesn't take a whole lot of our time anymore. So what are the things that we also love and take a lot of our time? He says, if you would just spend a little bit of that time hearing. I think that's what he's saying. Now, I'm not taking away from fasting. If fasting does that for you, then whatever blows your hair back, go for it. But I don't think it's a formula. You know what I like about this passage is that Jesus said that says that they took Jesus aside and asked him a question. Do we do that when our prayers aren't answered? Do we do that when we don't see what we were trusting God to break through for us or to provide or do? Do we do what the disciples did? It says they, they kind of took him aside. They didn't just become offended. They didn't withdraw. They didn't think they have to change religions, change churches, change wives, whatever. They took Jesus aside and said, what's going on here? I think it's perfectly legitimate to have those kind of questions. And say, Lord, what happened here? I prayed the best I knew. I fasted. I did. What, what is it? We don't have all the answers in this life. And I know there's... Elephants in the room when it comes to this topic. But for us to drop the standard from Jesus is to do the gospel and injustice. We have to keep on keeping on. So, let me move on to the rest of the sermon. Everything about Jesus' ministry changed after the Holy Spirit came upon him. Is this, uh, it's quite hard to speak to a big audience of people like this and the notes jump around to other places. So we're going to try and get this sorted out. So Jesus trained his disciples to advance the kingdom. And in Acts 10.38 it says, let's go to Acts 10.37 and read that verse. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in, Ju- in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God, because the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit was with him. As a man, he operated in the anointing and the power, not as deity. Jesus didn't get out of bed and float off the ground. He resisted temptation, and he suffered every kind of temptation as a man. And he walked in the power of the Spirit to show us a life of being Spirit-controlled. That was the kingdom message that he brought to the earth. That's what his Father's world looks like. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Not just words, but power. Can you say amen? So, I want to carry on with Jesus' sermon that he started from Isaiah. But I want to jump to Isaiah 61. Because it seems like he left the second part of the sermon out there. So, I want to go to Isaiah 61 and read the rest of the story. You with me? So we'll skip out the verses we've already read that he quoted or he read. And then we'll go to verse 3. So he speaks about the 
Spirit is upon me to set the prisoners free, open blind eyes, proclaim the year's favor, acceptable year, and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And it continues. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Tell the oak next to you, you're an oak of righteousness, a planting, a, get, a planting, not just one single oak tree off on a mountain somewhere, but a planting of the Lord. They will, and then it goes on and says, verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who's going to restore the cities? Who is going to? Yes, the oaks. The oaks of righteousness. Those who heard the good news. Those who heard the good news that they don't have to remain prisoners, but they can be set free. They can be set free from those addictions. They can be set free from that fear. They don't have to come into agreement with what's happening on the planet around them. They don't have to empower negativity, but they can be oaks of righteousness. He said, your eyes... Those of you who had no vision, those of you who had a bleak outlook, eyes are opened. They are the ones who rebuild the city. Those are the oaks of righteousness. That's why Jesus came in the power and anointing to preach the good news. He said to the captives, you no longer have to be captives. My friend, that's the same message we preach today. That's the same gospel that opens blind eyes and restores vision. It's the same gospel that takes people out of prisons and sets the captives free and turns their mourning into joy. He gives them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. He gives them to the the oaks of righteousness, those strong, firm trees that aren't like, uh, 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 what is this uh, cocky boss that you can chop with a little little uh, uh, panga, it's not like a tibashina that you hit it once and it goes right through the, 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 the branch or the trunk. These are oaks. Oak is a slow-growing, strong wood. You don't just knock that down with a panga. An oak tree takes a lot of effort. It's solid. It's firm. They are the ones that he has made Righteous. They don't have to walk in guilt. They don't have to walk in shame. They don't have to always feel that they have to impress God and perform in a certain way to get His favor. Because they are firm and steadfast. They have had the good news preached to them. They've been brought out of prison. Come on, some of you were taken out of prisons. Some of you were blind. Some of you were, were in bondage. And the gospel came and set us free. And they are the builders of the city. My friend, the city needs building. This neighborhood needs building. This province needs building. This country needs building. And it's going to come as we are overflowing. As we are overflowing with the fullness of the Spirit for others. Now, I'm all for benevolence. I think it's great when we clothe the, the naked and we feed the... It's part of the gospel feeding the hungry, uh, uh, meeting basic needs. That's, that's awesome. That, that, that should be done. 
bothered by the church. But you know, if we stop there, we're not dealing with the root cause of that poverty. We're not dealing with the root cause behind. That needs the anointing of power to break. That means people's addictions need to be broken. That means people's blindness needs to be restored. So we're all for benevolence, and we celebrate good, kind acts. But the church stopped there too often and didn't finish the job by preaching a powerful message to break those bondages, break those mindsets, those worldviews, through the gospel that's preached into the hearts of people. That's where the power lies. Or else we just become another charity, another good works organization, another welfare society, patting ourselves on the back how well we've done in giving charity. My friend, are we giving the power of the gospel that will break people free from their prisons, break those roots that are holding them down, set those minds free that have become uh, in agreement with, with, with death, disease, and destruction? We empower things when we agree with them. In the world, there's an agreement with darkness, and the gospel comes. That's what rebuilding the city is all about. Can you say amen? That's what the gospel does. That's the oaks of righteousness. And then we go down to the end. We're going to jump right across Jesus' whole ministry, and there's so much in there we could cover. But look at what he offers to his followers. In John 20, 20, after this he said, he showed, after his, resur- his death, burial, and resurrection, he comes to them, he deals with their, they were in an upper room full of fear, so he deals, deals with their fear by walking through a wall and just appearing. Okay, some of you got that. Okay, so after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, say, as the Father. As the Father, the same way that the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He then, in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes and he says, This is what all believers are offered. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says the same way the Father sent me. Only difference is we get the Spirit when we're born again. Jesus had the Spirit at birth. But do you know that you've got the same Spirit living in you that lived in Jesus? Jesus didn't have like a 35-year-old Holy Spirit and you've got like a 12-year-old Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have like a full cup and you've got like a quarter of a cup. You've got to get this. I've got to get this. I mean, you should say, Steve, after 35 years of preaching this, you should have got it by now. I'm humbled to say, this is just the best news I ever heard today. Not 10 years ago. Experiencing the Holy Spirit five years ago is no excuse for not experiencing Him today, this morning, this afternoon, tonight. 
It's the same Holy Spirit that was living in Jesus. Take your concordances and go through the life of Jesus and see the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time in in 30 minutes here on a Sunday morning. But I can leave you with this, that Jesus said, as the Father sent me, with the same Holy Spirit, with the same purpose, the same message, the kingdom of God is here. The same work. I'm sending you. And if someone says, well, that was only for the apostles, well, then, my friend, you've got to just go one chapter into Acts and find out that it was for everybody because there were 120 gathered there, names not even mentioned, and the Holy Spirit came upon them in fulfillment of Jesus' word. I hope you see that you've got the same spirit in you that Jesus had in him. And I hope you see that if Jesus needed the baptism when the heavens were opened, they were rent apart, they were ripped violently. If you can see that you need the same baptism, the same filling with with fire, power, then this morning was worth it. Because we started off with some light rain, just saturating the earth. Crying out, God, rain down. Make me thirsty. But we need the prophetic word to come and shake us a bit. Make us a bit discontented with mediocrity. To see that Jesus is our standard. To see that powerlessness is inexcusable. Experiencing the Holy Spirit two years ago is no excuse for not experiencing him today. Experiencing him not just for myself, but for others. Can you see yourself bubbling over? Can you see that stream running out of you into the neighborhood? Can you see that stream running out of you on the airplane? Can you see that stream running out of you in in your workplace, with your children, with your family? There's an overflowing, there's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. I feel a song coming on. There's a river of life flowing out of me. So, I'm going to invite the musos up because I promised we were going to end with a drink. And maybe we should just stand up for a moment. Because, Ash, can you put Luke chapter 4 back on? I'm, I'm going to shock you a little bit. Can, can you take any more shocking this morning? I'm going to venture out and suggest, okay? Just suggest that the same message that Jesus declared under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is the same message that we should be able to declare under the Holy Spirit. Can we read from verse 18 together? In faith, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And my friends, we read on from there that we will be oaks 
of righteousness and oakesses of righteousness. We all oaks of righteousness for the splendor of God's planting. And he's through us going to bring oil for mourning. Instead of ashes, he's going to provide beauty. And we are going to see the cities rebuilt. We're going to see the downcast restored. We're going to see that which... uh, Jesus came to proclaim on earth as it is in heaven, restored. Come on, we need an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday's experience is no excuse for today's lack of power. We cry out to you, God. I cry out to you and say, God, I'm not content just to be filled. I mean, thank you that I'm filled. Thank you that your spirit lives in me like you lived in Jesus. But Lord, if I'm honest, I want to take you aside right now and say, Lord, what's going on here? I, I, I know you said that greater works we will do. I know that your word says that we'll go into all the earth. Wherever we place our feet, you will give it to us. You said the blind will see and the deaf will hear and you said that the dead will even rise. And Lord, we know that's going happen. We know the resurrection but Lord, this world stands in need of the power of God through the gifts, through the signs, through the miracles and through the power and we're not going to give up. We, don't you want to say that with me in faith, I am not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Holy Spirit, right now, right now, we just say, Change our minds. Change our minds. Change our mind. Change my mind. Change my mind. Oh, shta bresta kela moda sarabashta.